never give in. Never give in. Never, never, never. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. Socialists don't like ordinary people choosing, for they might not choose socialism. We cannot afford to be so politically correct anymore. Conservative One with George Christensen. Well, g'day, I'm George Christensen, host of Conservative One, the podcast defending traditions and freedom. And we've got a great guest uh, today. Uh, His name is Drew Pavlo. You might have heard of him. Uh, He's a human rights campaigner or activist, a university student at the University of Queensland, and he's recently been suspended after a long period of activism, protests and criticism of the Chinese Communist Party and its breaches of human rights. I bring you, ladies and gentlemen, Drew Pavlo. Drew, how are you going? Good, thank you. Thank you, Georgia, you know, for the introduction and having me on. Really, you know, appreciate that you're one of the few MPs, MPs who have spoken about the issue. Uh, you know, unfortunately, many have been pretty silent. And it's, it, that's hard because it's it's been a sort of very tough time going up against the university and these very powerful institutions and forces. Just one 21-year-old. So it, it does... Yeah mean a lot you know when mps do support me so thank you very much i'm sure you know we we definitely you know don't see the eye to eye on all these political issues but i i, I am very thankful that you have you know stuck your neck out when it comes to you know protecting my right to free speech at uq and you are from the political left i guess you identify uh, as someone from the progressive left would that be right drew yeah yeah i'd say that's fair yeah, yeah. So, uh, I mean, much my uh, much my family's chagrin. You know, they're all Greek conservatives and they hate it. <laughs> no doubt. But yeah, yeah. Um, look, look. Uh, you know, it's the old uh, adage. You know, that uh, subscribe to Voltaire. I uh, might disagree with what you say, or uh, f- fight fight to the end for for what you, to what you say. But I'll fight to the end for your right to say it. And uh, yeah, yeah, really robbed of this uh, right to free expression, uh, it seems, at your university. Can you tell us, I mean, you're making waves, making national headlines, uh, the Australian 60 Minutes, uh, on and on it goes, but uh, give us the story in a nutshell up until right now. Yeah, sure. I I am wearing a shirt, you know, that says free speech right now. And that's what it all sort of comes comes back to, I suppose. I was really outraged that my university had a close tie, close ties with this government that, um, you know, is probably going to be looked upon by history as one of the most evil regimes to ever exist. This is a government that has imprisoned more than one million Uyghur Muslims in their, in concentration camps simply because of their religion. Um, in these concentration camps, there is torture, there is rape. There have been active attempts by the Chinese government to suppress the birth rate among Uyghurs, which is, you know, under the UN Convention on Genocide, an act of genocide, r- preventing births within a group. So this is a government that is actively, you know, trying to eliminate an ethnic and religious group right now as we speak. And unfortunately, many Australians, because they're on the take when it comes to, you know, Chinese money, selling things to China, they would prefer to look the other way while this terrible genocide is ongoing it's not just the genocide we know that they've obviously brutalized the people of hong kong they've recently passed a new national security legislation that in effect destroys one country two systems 
destroys democracy in Hong Kong, ensures that there is no more local autonomy. Um, yeah. Like I've got Hong Konger friends living in Brisbane who have come to Brisbane, fleeing the persecution of the Chinese state, and they were tortured by the Hong Kong police and they were brutalized on the streets just for simply protesting. So this is a government that is perpetrating human rights abuses on a mass, mass scale. I know mm. you're a Christian, George, and you know I'm also a Christian, and comes back to the idea that all people are endowed with, you know, natural are endowed with certain inalienable rights, you know, the right to dignity. And no one anywhere should ever have that right violated. Every, you know, we're, we're interested in preserving the dignity of human life wherever human beings, you know, are, exist. And so this government's crimes, I think, are a concern for Australians because Australians, I think, are a big hearted people and they do care about human rights and they do care that other countries, you know, are respecting the fundamental human dignities of their people. Um, and so I think Australians do care what is happening about what is happening to the Uyghurs. Australians do care about what is happening to Hong Kongers, ordinary Chinese citizens, as well as Tibetans as well. In Tibet, there's been ongoing persecution for decades now. I think Australians do care. We're a big hearted people. And we do believe in human rights. We do believe in, you know, we do believe that all human beings are deserving of dignity and equal value and respect. And, and so these government's crimes are a concern for us. Unfortunately, I think members of the elite are sort of like some like business interests and stuff like that. Um, they've just been on the take with Chinese money for so long. And it's really blood money because in return for this money, they they know that they are to stay silent when it comes to these matters. And so that was what was happening at the University of Queensland. This is a, the UQ had a relationship with China that was that meant they were dependent on China for about 20 to 30 percent of it of the university's overall revenue. So wow. what does it mean? What does it mean if the university were to talk about what was happening to these Hong Kongers, Uyghurs, Tibetans? Um, the Chinese government can just blow up the university's budget almost overnight because this is a totalitarian government. It could decide, oh well, like this pro this campus is too sensitive for Chinese students now because there are protests on this campus. Therefore, we will no longer allow Chinese students to study there. And yeah. what that would mean is overnight the university's budget would be destroyed. 30% of it is gone. Um, you know, can't get the $1.2 million salary he sort of enjoys on the public dime. So these people really, in exchange for blood money, they chose silence. The university, they, you know, they claim that they're not really political. They try and stay above the fray, they claim. I still remember in 2017, um, they intervened when it came to Trump's Muslim ban. So they were, you know, they were willing to intervene on say you know this very important i guess controversial political matter of the day especially how when it came to that how well they sent they an that? email they sent an email to all university students you know all fifty thousand, saying we condemn this like any uq student that is impacted like we we stand with them and so you know they chose to stand on the side of civil rights i would say but you know then it comes to say the issue of uyghurs one million Uyghur Muslims in concentration camps. And then there is, there's just the hypocrisy because, because they rely on Chinese government money. Like they continue to do business with a key partner that has concentration camps. I mean, you know, this is the, the university's key partner had concentration camps. It's just shocking, you know, like, mm. and so I, I tried to protest this relationship. I sort of, um, you know, organized protests, criticizing UQ's dependence on Chinese money while these human rights abuses were being carried out. And um, the first protest I ever held, it 
you know, it was the first protest I'd ever organized in my entire life. I never really intended to go down sort of like this activist path. I was just really outraged at the time by the, what I was seeing on the TV when it came to Hong Kong, when it came to Uyghurs. So I, I tried to hold this one rally and what happened, you know, we had about 15, 20 students on our side, you know, chanting in support of Hong Kong and, and Tibet and Uyghurs. And what happened? Well, hundreds of supporters of the Chinese government, Chinese ultranationalists kind of descended upon us. This is the one us. that turned violent. Yeah. July, July 24, 2019. So a year ago now. Mm. Um, so basically what happened was on an Australian campus, Australian students were assaulted by like ultranationalists who were trying to silence criticism of the Chinese state. This is what was happening in Australia. And what did the government do? Didn't really intervene at the time. The state government didn't intervene despite the fact that, you know, the university is constituted under state legislation. Um, the And UQ never intervened. Like that's the crucial point. So... They had very, it's now very infamous now that um, they had appointed Consul General Zhu Zhe to an honorary adjunct professorship at the university. This is the Chinese government's Consul General in Queensland, the representative of the Chinese state in Queensland. They appointed him to an adjunct professorship. Now, does this man have an academic background? Does he have an intellectual background, a scholarly sort of history? No, we looked into it. He was, you know, a state security official in China attached to the police. So this is just basically a Chinese Communist Party attaché. In Queensland, very obviously like a party man, and he came out the day after the protest saying, um, we endorse the spontaneous patriotism of the Chinese students who you know, intervened and we denounce the separatism <laughs> of this protest. Now, this is important for two matters. One, by endorsing the patriotism of the Chinese students, on which basically involved us getting insults, assaulted, that was, seemingly, that was seemingly him inciting violence against Australian students, which is, you know, a crime under which is a crime in this country. And then secondly, when he denounced me as a separatist and said this protest was a separatist rally or whatever, it, it doesn't sound, I guess, um, it doesn't sound crazy or terrible to our ears, I suppose, but in, I guess, the, the cultural context in which he was saying it, to be called a separatist in China, it's basically worse than, it was, it's the worst crime imaginable, worse than murder. If yeah. you're if you're convicted of separatism, you can be put to death. It's a capital offence, death penalty. And so when he said this was a separatist protest organised by separatist elements, we have argued in court that this was basically the Chinese government sort of issuing, in effect, a fatwa against an Australian student, basically giving the green light to any and all kinds of abuse that would be hurled in their direction. And so what happened after he did that, I had, you know, so many death threats sent against me and my family, threats to rape my mother, threats to kill my family, torture me and kill me. This is all for just Terrible. speaking out, speaking out, criticizing human rights abuses and trying to promote democracy just on an Australian campus. I'm an Australian university student. I wanted to support democracy and human rights. And I was sort of viciously attacked. I was assaulted. I had death threats sent against me. Chinese government officials encouraged violence against me. And then the University of Queensland never tried to actually protect me. In fact, they actually went out after me. So very soon after that first protest, they sort of, they, I guess, were trying to pressure the student union to try and stop me from ha having at other rallies. Um, they worked behind the scenes to try and shut down the rally. They threatened to disperse our next protests if we didn't, um, you know, comply with their demands. And their demands were like that we hold it far from the centre of campus behind security fencing on a patch of grass no one would see us. 
they they were basically like, unless you comply with this demand, we'll direct police to disperse you. So basically, mm. UQ was saying, if you want to protest Hong Kong on campus, we'll get police to haul you away. And, you know, we called their bluff, but obviously they continued the campaign against me. Um, to sort of combat their campaign, trying to sort of target me, I ran for the University of Queensland Senate, and I was elected yeah. by students as their representative. This is the board that governs the university, it gives me an equal seat on the table with the vice chancellor, the chancellor, and all the other people, you know, so it's crazy sort of stuff, actually, just to butt in there. I mean, you're yeah. not just any any old student. You're a student that's been elected by the student body the student to body. represent the students on the basically the executive management board yeah. of, of the University of Queensland, which is called the Senate. Yeah, um, exactly. So for, for someone of your status to be suspended, this is uh, big stuff. Well, that's why I think that's exactly why I think they did suspend me and they targeted me because they didn't like that I was on the UQ Senate. This is the board that governs the university. So you also suspended from the Senate. Uh, my lawyers have written legal advice saying that there is no legal way for them to remove me from mm. the Senate because um, elections to the Senate occur under the University of Queensland Senate Act, which is an mm. act of state parliament, and so UQ would seemingly be in breach of state law if they were to try and remove me at this mm -hmm. point so okay. i'm but i'm still not sure they haven't actually given me any information or anything like that okay but, um, but okay for, yeah. for all all of this has gone on all of the protests uh, all of the uh, the activism and agitation and then suddenly a bunch of charges breaches of university i don't know yeah. codes of conduct rules regulations yeah. have suddenly turned up in your letterbox uh yeah 186 um, pages. 186 pages. You have yeah. been a very, very bad boy, obviously. Yeah. Um, yeah well, how much of the how many how many of the 186 pages related to activism against uh, against the Chinese Communist Party? I think um, probably four of the 11 charges related right. directly to my CCP activities, my my activities protesting the Chinese Communist Party, and then and one of these was that. Um, I incited racial hatred apparently by protesting the Confucius oh. Institute. I sort of just thought I would take the piss out of the Confucius Institute. Obviously, we're all aware that the Chinese Communist Party lied about the origins of the pandemic in the sense that in the yeah. early weeks of the virus, they basically covered it up. They arrested journalists. They arrested doctors who talked about it. And I was just taking the piss out of the Chinese government's authoritarian response to the pandemic. I went to the Corona. I went to the Confucius Institute on campus, a state government body on campus that represents the Chinese Communist Party. And I went in a hazmat suit and just basically put biohazard on the door as a joke. <laughs> just you know, just just a basically satirical yeah. prank to take call attention to the fact that the government's response in China was terrible. And um, UQ said that was inciting racial hatred towards Chinese wow. students on campus and the Chinese staff in the Confucius Institute. They said I was trying to like incite a racial riot or something like that. All this was absolutely ridiculous because yeah. you know as well as I do that the biggest victims of the Chinese Communist Party are the Chinese people themselves, Chinese course, ethnic people in Hong Kong, uh, yeah. Chinese Uyghurs, uh, the Chinese people in Taiwan are threatened by them all yeah. the time. Uh, well, they would consider themselves Taiwanese, but they're of Chinese ethnicity. Yeah. Um, so Chinese Christians, Chinese democracy yeah. protesters, the list of Chinese victims of the Chinese Communist Party goes on and on and on. Yeah, it's not about ethnicity whatsoever. It's about the Chinese government's policies and how the policies harm the Chinese people. I always try and make a distinction in my activism. You know, mm -hmm. unfortunately, people always try and, like, hurl the, hurl the racist label as a term of yeah. abuse to try and shut down, I guess, criticism of the Chinese Communist Party because... 
I guess that is that is something that the Chinese government uses to its own propaganda advantage, trying to shut down all all sort of legitimate criticism of the Chinese government's policies as sort of an attack on the Chinese people. It always wants to try and conflate the party and the people. But I always try and make a distinction in my activism. There's a distinction between the party and the people. The government does not represent the people. This is a dictatorship and its primary victims are the Chinese people. And we're trying to actually fight so that they may have human dignity. They might have their rights protected that they won't, will no longer be subject to things like arbitrary arrest, torture, detention, uh, murder. We're trying to fight for the Chinese people. And yeah, so it's it's a term that's used to try and shut down criticism of the Chinese yeah. government. So you get this uh, book, a veritable book of charges. Yeah, book. And um, uh, you've got uh, four of the 18 charges, you said, that were relating to this. Yes. There was uh, other charges which uh, I know I've read and I've also yeah. spoken to you offline. I think you've read the I think you've read shots. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think you've read the document, right? I sent I it to you. Um, you know, it's 186 pages. What I believe they did is... You know, they had the core set of allegations surrounding my criticism of the Chinese Communist Party and my protest activities. Um, one of like the most serious allegations the university said was that I had caused a Chinese student to withdraw because I had criticized the Chinese Communist Party openly. Um, but then they tried to tack on stuff on top of that, I believe, just so that they could, just so they <laughs> could have, I guess. I would say, and uh, yeah. see you later, let the door down at the yeah, door. Well, down yeah, the way if you can't, yeah, if you can't, like, if you a university is a battle place of ideas if you can't i guess like take yep. someone criticizing a government then and you'd have to like with, withdraw then see you later anyway but uq i guess well, i think what they did i, I gotta say as a conservative uh if if everyone acted like that i wouldn't have lasted long at university my first political <laughs> science lecture the lecturer got up and asked who voted uh, it was 1996 he asked who voted for john howard in the previous election Two hands went up in the classroom, and then he said, well, we hope we'll have that change by the end of this unit. Uh, they didn't. Wow. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, imagine yeah. getting up crying and walking out because of that. You've got to be tougher than that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, like, I guess what I believe happened is that I think UQ sort of had those core set of allegations relating to my activism, activism against the Chinese Communist Party, my criticism of the uni administration. And then I think they just tacked on stuff on top of that to try and give them plausible deniability. This is not a politically motivated witch hunt. This is not a politically motivated persecution or or sort of investigation. Oh no, it's actually because, oh, there's all this, oh, Drew used the C word online in a, in a biff with another student. Oh no, like, you know, Drew swore at someone. And I think everyone can see that through that and realize the university is not going to bring in three international law firms to you know target me they're not going to compile a 186 page document they're not going to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on this thing trying to expel me just because i use the swear word online i i don't think anyone believes that i think oh, wow. it's i think it's very clear like i mean yeah. you know we're young people at university we're young people we're 20 21 years old we get into bits with one another there are fights people use swear words like we're adults we're you know it's we're young people it's it's how many times would there be swear words uttered on campus every single day? Thousands of times, probably, considering, yeah. considering there are 50,000 students. So we think the whole reason they compiled this huge document was because they were upset with my political activism on campus. Yeah. I think that it's very clear. Well, it, it certainly seems like that. You're listening to Conservative Wine. So they've, they've, they've now made, they've gone through all of their processes you're suspended, not expelled. Yeah. That means uh, you're in the sin bin for what half a year, or 
What, uh, so they originally they originally had a two year suspension, which would conveniently end just as my Senate term would end. Mm. Um, and it seemed very it seemed like they had timed it to perfection with that. Like, mm. and then we had an appeal, and on the appeal, they actually threw out ninety percent of the charges. And keep in wow. mind, this is this is the university's own sort of kangaroo court. It's mm. own like it's its own employees. Like they've been directed. They had the U UQ brought in its own lawyers. They were paying these lawyers hundreds of thousands of dollars. They got brought in, you know, the partner at Minter Ellison, Tom Fletcher or whatever, to actually argue to this own UQ body, this is what the university position is, Drew should be expelled. So this is it's not a really fair thing. It's basically the university being judge, jury, and executioner. If you're a UQ person, if you're a UQ employee on this panel and you know your career advancement depends on, you know, doing the university administration's bidding, you're not going to necessarily, like, Mm. Look the other way when the university's lawyers are saying, yeah. do this. Anyway. But they threw out 90% of the charges. Yeah, I understand like including own... all of the charges relating to the activism against China they threw yeah, out. So, Is that correct? Yes. Yeah, so their own kangaroo court, their own unfair kangaroo court threw out 90% of charges, which I think just shows from the get-go this whole thing's just been ridiculous. I mean, but they still, they still made sure that I'd be, like, you know, removed from classes until next year which ensures that I can't run in student elections. It, I thought at the time that it could it could mean my removal from the Senate, which it still might, I guess, result in, but we'll fight it. I mean, it just seemed like they were acknowledging the vast majority of this thing was confected and faked and, you know, a witch hunt, but oh, the university's lawyers are telling us to do this, so we have to we have to do something to punish him. Yeah, and, right. And so, so the, taking, yeah, go ahead. Oh, yeah, and so, so the, nine of the charges were dismissed. Two were upheld, one being um, I also wore the hazmat suit to the vice chancellor's office to put biohazard on his door because um, I was sort of doing a satirical stunt, taking the piss out of the fact that UQ was very slow to shut down in the very early stages of the coronavirus pandemic. I mean, students were, there were a couple of cases at UQ and students were really fearful and they were saying, they were calling out for the campus to be shut and UQ wasn't doing it. And so I just took the piss out of it, just went to the um, office, put biohazard on the door. And what they said was, I had intimidated and bullied the vice chancellor and his staff and scared them. Um, and it was like, it was creating a hostile atmosphere and terrified them and whatever. And then the other one was just, oh, Drew used a C-bomb in a sort of online biff with another student. Just like very kiddie stuff. And it just does not seem to be justified as a way of getting me get ridding, getting rid of me on campus. Mm. Mate, uh, compared to my university days, it all seems fairly tame. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> Look, you're now taking it to court. You're going out of the university's kangaroo court system into the yes. real court system. Yes. You've got a pretty good judge, a pretty good lawyer, rather, uh, yeah. there with Tony Morris. And, uh, Very lucky. You're, Queen's Council. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, he's top-notch and he's uh, yeah. had a great degree of success in the past defending yeah. university students and others who've had their free speech and rights eroded. So... Um, you're taking it to the Supreme Court, is that right? We are taking it to the Supreme Court. I think there will probably be some sort of preliminary date or hearing uh, this this month in August um, mm -hmm. coming up, and I think I think we'll hopefully have a date set for the real hearing um, soon. So I'm looking forward to you know actually actually being before a real ju real justice system, a real court. Yeah. Like I think a real judge will look at this and just laugh them out of the room. Yeah. which is why we've gone to the Supreme Court and we're, we're suing them for damages because, like, you know, this is a university that really only cares about the hip pocket. 
So the only way to hold them accountable for what they've done is to try and, you know, target them for expenses and damages. And 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 also on top of uh, the Supreme Court, where there's also been the development with Bob Catter calling for the inquiry in yeah. Parliament. Well, um, today I have, uh, well, this week actually, I've actually uh, uh, announced that I'm co-sponsoring that by seconding that uh that particular motion that Bobcat is taking uh, before the Parliament. Uh, thank you, Jordan. I appreciate it. You don't need to thank me because uh, we should all be supporting that. It's uh, above party politics and, um, yeah. you know, we need to ensure that if there is foreign interference in our universities, uh, that it's not undue and it's not infringing on the national interest and the rights of students to uh, speak up. And I'm going to say that I'm... Uh, while I'm calling for a parliamentary inquiry with him, uh, and I think that uh, the committee that uh, we're asking, which is uh, Andrew Hastie's uh, Joint Parliamentary Committee in uh, Security and Intelligence, is probably the right one because Andrew will be all over this uh, like, yeah. a, like a bad rash. Uh, the reality is I probably don't need a parliamentary inquiry uh, to tell me that these Confucius Institutes should be shut down. They are propaganda yeah. units yeah. of the Chinese Communist Party, uh, spreading uh, massive disinformation and, as I said, propaganda on issues like the Uyghurs, on uh, yeah. issues like Hong Kong, issues like Taiwan, issues on the Chinese persecution of Christians, uh, Falun Dafa or Falun Gong practitioners, um, uh, Tibetans, uh, you name it. It's just spreading the China line. There's nothing yeah. Confucius about it, actually. Uh, it should just be called the Communist Institute. That's all it is. Well, yeah. I mean, um, you look at these institutes. At UQ, there was a case, I think it was 2018, where the director of the Confucius Institute at UQ pressured UQ to cut ties with the Taiwanese Film Festival. And and we have seen um, there are Confucius there are Confucius Institute um, courses at UQ that, like, courses at UQ that have been funded by the Confucius Institute, meaning mm. they've been funded by the Chinese government. And, um, you know, when they discuss things like the, you know, roundup of a million Uyghurs in concentration camps, they discuss it in the context of, oh, but Uyghurs are sort of over overrepresented in terrorist statistics. Oh, they're all terrorists, which is, of course, the Chinese government's exact propaganda line. And, and they even do that with Hong Kongers. So when they discuss the Hong Kong protests, they say they actually have an explicit, explicit question. They ask the room, they ask the students, uh, is, are the Hong Kong protests terrorism? I mean, it, it seems that this course, I think it's called Understanding China, it's Econ 3820. It's funded by the Chinese government. And, you know, it's seemingly, uh, I guess, adopting all the Chinese government's propaganda lines when it comes to mm. these terrible atrocities. I mean, left or right, Whatever party you know you you identify with in Australia, left or right, does anyone really think it's acceptable for an Australian university to be teaching that it's possibly justified to round up a million Uyghurs in concentration camps because oh they're overrepresented in terror statistics or whatever? That's the Chinese Drew, government propaganda line. Drew, Drew, could I could I just get um, uh, partisan in terms of left and right for a second though? Just to yeah. say that you know if someone from the right in in politics in Australia comes out and says, oh, look we think there's a problem within Islam, it should reform itself. Uh, the left and the media go burko. Um, you know, it's it's cries of racism and Islamophobia and all the rest of it. But here you have uh, a foreign-funded institute on a university campus uh, that actually is saying worse than that. It's saying that the Muslim 
Uyghurs basically are terrorists that uh, yeah. uh, and that's why we're taking action against them because uh, a lot of them are terrorists um, yeah, it's like uh, why, why, why are there no voices I mean yours yours accepted but why are there no voices from the left screaming about this saying that this yeah. these, uh, outfit should be shut, shut down why is there seemingly silence from the left on this matter look I, I think I think with a few notable exceptions I know Kimberly Kitching yep. the late uh, senator she's been very good on this Thumbs up to her. Um, and and I, I, I know, like, I guess the Greens and the La and Labor do have sort of like an official policy sort of, um, you know, opposing these things, which is, of course, like what is expected. But it, it is conspicuous, I think, that there is kind of a big sort of silence when it comes to this issue. Like, that was sort of what drew, drew me to it in the first place because I did sort of identify it as a, I, I sort of identify as someone from the left. And I was sort of thinking hang on, where is everyone talking about what's happening to Uyghur Muslims? There are a million in concentration camps. How is history going to judge us if we just, like, look the other way while we take blood money? And so I was protesting against... I was just... I was, like, outraged that no one was seemingly speaking out about it. And I just wanted to sort of rock the boat and speak and draw as much attention as I could to it. Because, yeah, unfortunately, I think... I think there is sort of this unfortunate thing among some people on the left where they actually sort of by that sort of like bait where it's like, which the Chinese government loves the Chinese government, you know, th there's a term in Mandarin. I think it's like Beizhou or something like that. Um, and it's basically like a, a term of abuse and it's sort of like directed at like bleeding heart, white Western lefties that, and it's kind of like, Oh, look at the stupid Beizhou. Like they fall for the sort of, they fall for the, Oh, like to criticize the Chinese government's policies is racist sort of thing. Like this is that, useful idiots, basically. That's the basically uh, useful idiots. It, like the Chinese government mm. looks at people who think, uh, who you know, make this, make those kinds of arguments, and they're laughing at them because, like, this is really, basically, fascist, Nazi type government. You know, largest internment of people based on their ethnic or religious status since the Holocaust, and yet a lot of people on the left don't want to talk about it because, oh, uh, I guess, like it could like sort of promote anti-Asian or anti-Chinese racism. I think as long as you're consistently trying to distinguish your criticism of the party from the Chinese people, then we should be openly and every day vociferously questioning the Chinese government's policies. Why Why the hell are there 1 million Uyghur Muslims mm -hmm. in concentration camps? How on earth is that acceptable in the 21st century? Are we just going to stand by and let it happen because the money is so intoxicating? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's a question of moral culpability, moral, moral responsibility. I think we have a duty to speak out, and unfortunately, I do see it. It's it's a it's hypocrisy. It's terrible hypocrisy because you know. But I I guess because they some people drink the Kool Aid and they just they can't even see that. Yeah, this is this is basically like one of the worst regimes in human history, and they're drinking the Kool Aid, thinking it's racist to criticize this Chinese government's policies. It's it's terrible. It's horrible. We need to speak out, criticize genocide. Mm. To uh, bring back a bit of bipartisan spirit here, uh, on the right, there are also people, and not just the right, but in the corporate world as well, uh, there are people who, as you said before the university's done, just uh, sell out, sell out everything for the profit motive, for the big bucks, uh, oh, sell it out for uh, trade, for investment dollars, um, and yeah. obviously in UQ and other universities' uh, situation, they're selling it out for the student dollars. Well, I thought, yeah, I thought that was basically the case with.
here comes this billionaire and he because he's got very close business interests in china he was trying desperately to say oh we shouldn't we shouldn't you know upset the chinese government we should we should be protecting the relationship hong kong doesn't matter to this man uyghurs does the we lives of uyghurs the lives of hong kongers tibetans ordinary chinese people it doesn't matter to this man it's just simply the money so it's not really it's actually not really left or right it's not ideology ideology i mean you know, you'd go back to the 50s, 60s, people people in the West were genuine Maoists and stuff like that. It's not like that anymore. I mean, I don't think anyone at UQ, in the UQ leadership, has read, like, the, the thoughts of Xi Jinping or whatever the terrible, no. crazy manifesto is. It's not ideology at all these days. It's just simply pure, cynical, self-interest money. Yeah. Um, so, you can be on the left. Yeah. I think on one side of the equation, it's all about the dollars, and on the other, yeah. or the one, <laughs> yeah, on the yeah. other side of the equation, it's actually all about political correctness gone stupid. Well, um, yeah, it, I think actually that's the case. So it's partly money. We don't want to upset the trading relationship, the, and it's just obsession with money above human lives. And then on the other thing, it's like, oh, like it might be like offensive or whatever to criticize yeah. the Chinese government's policies. And like, it's just bullshit because this is a genocide. This is a genocide. Well, that whatever, whatever student yeah. walk out crying because um, Drew Pavlo said something mean about the Chinese Communist Party. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, well, you, know, you know what the actual post was? Um, I put up a post and it was basically saying, I, I am very concerned. As a UQ senator, I'm very concerned about the humanitarian situation in Hong Kong. I condemn the Hong Kong police's terrible violence towards the citizens of Hong Kong. And this was the post that someone seemingly, someone apparently saw and had wow. to withdraw from the courses because of what a, what a sook, really. Like, but it can be a brain explosion to some people not to justify this guy leaving or the oh, university yeah. reaction. But let me tell you a quick story of uh, yeah. a young Chinese uh, woman through friends of mine that are Chinese, now Australians, but of Chinese descent. Uh, they introduced me to, uh, I think she's 26-year-old, a uh, friend of theirs um, who hadn't heard about the Tiananmen Square massacre, hadn't heard much about it. I showed her a video uh, on YouTube of the incident and I could see it. It was it was gripping for her. Um, it got to the end and it had a bit of a hokey ending with some US sort of 60s-style protest music and I thought she had started laughing at that at that ending, uh, yeah. but it wasn't laughter. It was it was sobbing and and crying like uh you know the, the chinese the chinese students that come over here aren't exposed to all of the stuff that we know about the history of the chinese communist party uh, it's all hidden from them so yeah. it, it it does take uh, you know in fact it's great chinese students coming over here because they should be yeah. uh exposed to the truth and yeah, they should yeah. be exposed uh to all of the values that we hold dear in australia of free speech egalitarianism yeah, uh, democracy yeah. rule of law and imagine if we could educate those people here send them back to china uh inculcated with these values which really are values that are universal and that are pro-human they're pro-humanity and pro-human rights um, yeah. We could change China, but instead we kowtow to the Chinese Communist Party and just uh, don't do anything to to upset them. Uh, they we bring in the students, uh, we send them back, and they go back just to becoming the same sort of citizen robots, I guess that, uh, that the Chinese Communist Party loves. It's on this matter, you know, it's really sad because um, I remember being in a UQ Senate meeting and they were discussing how. Um, for thousands of Chinese students who are still enrolled in UQ courses at the moment, they're, they're obviously stuck overseas in China um, because of 
what has happened with COVID. And they discussed how um, they had been providing VPNs or whatever to Chinese students so that they could bypass the Chinese government's great firewall. Mm. And I said, and I asked, um, I asked the vice chancellor and I asked the UQ Senate, does this mean that UQ is possibly endangering the safety of these students by encouraging them to break Chinese law? And then they said, no, 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 we would never seek to encourage, we would never seek to break Chinese law ever. And then I said, so you will then, so then you must be actively seeking to uphold the Great Firewall. And they had no answer. And they just, they just like sat like, sat dumb like ducks for a couple of seconds. And then oh, we, we will move on, we will move on. And it's like, there's no, there's no thought here. I mean, the government, but the universities are not interested in, I guess, uh, sort of inculcating democratic values or exposing students to democratic freedoms or whatever. It's just simply money. And it's really sad because, you know, I've got I've got many Chinese student friends at UQ and it's often the case that I'll be stopped at UQ by a supporter from China, from the Chinese mainland, and they'll say like, oh, I really support your protests. Um, I, I know about Tiananmen, I know about the Chinese government's human rights abuses, I really support what you're doing. But unfortunately, I can't even be seen talking to you because, you know, there are people who monitor Chinese students here and to ensure that they're keeping political tabs. There are these Chinese student scholar associations and they boast on their own websites that they're registered with Chinese consulates. And these Chinese student scholar associations are basically run to keep political tabs on all Chinese students. And it's so horrible because it it stops them from being able to speak freely. I've got I've got Chinese friends who's, who've been like, I love what you're doing, but I can't even be seen talking to you on campus because there are people from the CSSA who watch. And it's horrible because we want Chinese students to come here and be able to speak out freely. They should be entitled to the same protections of free speech as all Australians are. I mean, if mm. they live, if they're here in Australia, we want them to be have to have access to free speech. It's often they're it's often hurled at me as a term of abuse. Oh, you want Chinese students not to come to UQ? It's not true. I I I really welcome Chinese students. I want Chinese students on campus so that we can speak freely and we can we can discuss these matters and we can chat and like build these sort of inter community and intercultural links. Yeah. I think we don't want the very, CCP on campus. That's the point. <laughs> we just don't want Chinese government officials to be able to monitor students and stop them from speaking out freely. It's yeah, yeah. their own rights are being violated in Australia. Mm-hmm. Well, Drew, um, I think that uh, you, what you're doing is very, very brave, uh, taking on an institution like this. And, you know, I know you before you said it'd be great to have them inculcating the values of democracy into students, but they can't even uphold it themselves. So I don't know uh, that they're going to be inculcating those values when they're stifling your free speech uh, and your right to protest. Uh, mate, more power to you. I really wish you success in your legal case. And uh, one thing's for certain, we need to shake up uh, the universities in terms of the academic freedom that they seem to be stifling on campuses, not just at UQ, but right around the country. I agree. I agree. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for your support. And uh, exactly. We just, we just want to be able to protect free speech on campus and allow students to speak freely on these sensitive matters without fear of like, you know, payback. Yeah. Thanks very much for joining me, Drew. Thanks, thanks, George, for having me. Thank you. We will decide who comes to this country and the circumstances in which they come. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. You've been listening to the Conservative One Podcast with George Christensen.